Welcome to Sofa Security Chat Chat 230 for the 4th of February 2016. I'm Chester Wisniewski, back with Paul Ducklin. Hello, Chester. Hello, Duck. I, uh, I'm looking forward to wrapping this week up. I'm going to be off to the UK where I'll actually have a chance to sit in the same room with you and do a podcast next week. So I'm, I'm nearly assured that this will be uh, one of at least three in a row with both of us. That'll be great. It'll be fun to see you. And uh, I then, once you finish in the UK, I hope you enjoy your travels around Europe. You've got quite a lot on your plate coming up, haven't you? Yeah, I guess I can uh, spiff my other gig while I'm over there, because uh, I've got quite a few meetings around Europe, as you point out. But I'll also be speaking at HackCon 11 in Oslo. So if you're in Norway or a Chat Chat listener in the area and are coming to HackCon, please stop by and say hello. Are you guys five years behind the times, or is that 11 the count of the conferences that have happened so far. I believe it's the count because it's in Roman numerals. It feels very Super Bowl-ish, except I can't say the word Super Bowl <laughs> because it's uh, the... Coming up soon. <laughs> the big sports ball Sunday is happening this coming Sunday. So I guess the one of the concerns I have is for some of my developer friends. Uh, I, I was reading on Naked Security a story that you wrote that says there's now a bug-fixing bot. I mean, if if code starts writing code, uh, are we reaching the singularity? What's going on? It's actually not writing code afresh. The idea is it's a graduate student and his supervisor at MIT. They've created this system called Profit, uh, which is not the profit of making money. It's the profit who predicts the future. The idea is it uses probabilistic techniques to propose a set of changes for software that has a bug in it based on having analyzed previous bug fixes of a similar sort. It proposes a set of changes and then runs a load of tests. The disadvantage to me or the risk to me is that this seems to depend very, very heavily on the software already having a very, very thorough and well-structured set of tests that can actually detect when a bug has happened and when it's been fixed. So, of course, you can argue that Software that isn't well-maintained, that's more likely to have bugs, is also more likely to have a weak test suite, and therefore you might make a change that's irrelevant to fixing the bug that might suddenly make the test pass, in which case you haven't actually fixed the problem but you think you have, or even worse, you could do something that is sufficient to fix the bug, yet introduces a new one for which there's no test, and now you have a problem that you can't detect. In other words, you kind of made things worse. Yeah, it seems like the code review phase would be critical. If you're going to allow something to suggest a change be made to your source code, you darn well ought to review precisely what that change is and you know how it's going to work. And I, I, I just found, to me, it felt a little more dubious because I'm going, okay, if I've got a developer and my test case says that some test is failing... If I have to have a developer review the changes that the algorithm is going to suggest anyhow, maybe it would just be faster to give it back to a developer to just fix it themselves. Most of the developers I know are quite conscientious about what they do, and they're keen on figuring out their mistakes so they can learn from them, not the machine. Yeah, I do approve of this kind of research, because if you think about it, the crooks can use automated tools like Fuzzers, for example, to find bugs that they can then figure out how to exploit. Maybe something that can at least propose changes very quickly meaning that it's faster for a human to, to have something to review in the first place. I don't think we can rule this out. Although I'm not 
quite ready to welcome our new bug fixing overlords just yet. Well, yeah, precisely. And I mean, I think all kinds of research are good research, because even if the research concludes that it's not uh, easy to do, that's still knowledge learned, right? And anytime we're exploring new things, you never know what the outcome is going to be. Um, one of the things that uh, I'm glad to see Oracle finally exploring is they're killing off the Java uh, plugin for web browsers. So in essence, uh, Java, was it, I guess, version 9, uh, will we'll no longer see the plugin? That's my understanding. Essentially, the JDK Java Development Kit version 9 becomes a development toolkit for building applications, not applets. In other words, the sandbox stripped down applets that are designed to be shoved from a potentially untrusted site straight into your browser and run will essentially be discontinued. The world didn't really want it. The world didn't really need it. So they said, right, let's take Java back to what it's really good at, building web-enabled applications for the back end. Well, that's, that's really it. I mean, Oracle's been focusing on Java being middleware for years now. And, uh, and the fact that we have it in our browsers feels like a really bad 1990s hangover. It sounds like they really have listened and reacted, even if it's taken many years, to the kind of things that security experts have been saying. So can't really fault them for that, I guess. Last week was Data Privacy Day. And I see, uh, of course, we had lots of different activities on social media and naked security and things uh, encouraging people to take their privacy back if they've surrendered it. And if they haven't surrendered it, just hold on to it for dear life. One of those stories that I saw was related to telling people to give Tor a spin. And actually, uh, coincidentally, I, I actually did that myself. I, I did use Tor that day. I actually needed to go someplace that I didn't want to be identified. But but strangely, it was happened to just be Data Privacy Day. So what, what was the public's reaction? And we made it clear that if you're doing it at work, IT might not like it. So ask first. You might live in a country where the rules about internet use are such that if you get found to be using Tor, that could bring bad things upon you. So if that's the case, treat the article as more of a thought experiment. But really what we wanted to do was just to suggest to people Although at least some, if not a lot, of Tor-related activity and of hidden sites inside Tor, though they're used for criminal purposes, there is a genuine, legitimate reason why an everyday internet user might occasionally want to use Tor. The reason being that it is a way of reducing the amount of data that you deliberately or inadvertently allow other people to collect about you, not because you don't trust them now, but just that you're genuinely concerned that if too many people collect too much data, the chance of a breach that involves you is correspondingly increased. Yeah, I, I, I've used Tor for all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I particularly like about it is not leaving all that metadata behind uh, no matter who it is that that might want to do something with it and and it's shocking how informative it is to your ISP to and you know anybody sitting around and especially when you're on open Wi-Fi right like i know a lot of people that go oh i'm going to subscribe for 5.99 a month to this uh you know hide my butt vpn service or whatever so that i can you know not have all my stuff being intercepted when i'm at the cafe using the free internet Tor is another great way to do that, right? You, you're getting all the benefits of, uh, you know, the, the the miscreants across the street that are just spying on the Wi-Fi and not knowing what you're up to. 
go and read about what it can and can't do for you because there are some also some important lessons that it can teach you about things like authentication, integrity, encryption, anonymity and privacy. If you learn what it can and can't do, you get a good picture of how you get tracked, why you get tracked, where all this information that people collect about you comes from. So I think really what we were doing is not suggesting that people go in for the whole anti-forensics thing, but just saying you need to think about the fact that if you let anybody track your personal information all of the time, then there will be more places where it gets collected and more places where something could go horribly wrong. If in doubt, don't give it out. If somebody doesn't collect personal information about you, then that's the only way you can be absolutely certain that they'll never have it breached. Well, and, you know, at RSA conference last year, I did a talk about the amount of uh, information that apps steal on your phone on the types of information that uh, are collected by a lot of these app developers. Uh, So that's kind of an interesting segue because one of our colleagues, uh, Roland, is uh, pitching a crowdsourced talk for RSA this year called The Secrets of Malware Success in the Google Play Store. And while I think all of us know that uh, malware makes it past both the automated Google screeners and the Apple screeners, uh, this is a, a very uh, interesting talk, but it's it's in this new crowdsourced format. So I guess we're kind of putting a call out to our listeners and readers to help us um, help Roland win the contest so that he can uh, ha- present his uh, his talk at this year's RSA conference. Roland is a great friend of Naked Security because when you read uh, articles about Android-related threats on Naked Security, quite frequently it's Roland who's done the behind-the-scenes work out of Sophos Labs. So we thought it would be nice to vote for him just to say thanks for all of that. I and everyone else at Naked Security, we're fascinated, be fascinated to read this paper, maybe watch the video on the RSA site. So we'd love him to get to present it. It's not just so he gets a uh, free trip to San Francisco. You know, in particular with, with apps, it's just, it's not the kind of thing that you can easily tell what they're doing unless you're a reverse engineer. Um, and, and so we, we are really dependent on these, um, and I'm trying to find, use words carefully here, uh, filters, I guess, that, that the Apple store, the Google store, and of course, the Microsoft store, if anybody had a Microsoft phone, implement to try to keep people safe. So uh, if you are coming to RSA, please come by and say hi to uh, the Sophos crew. We have a big stand there again this year. And hopefully, if you do your job, listeners, Roland will be with us. <laughs> yes, head to Naked Security, look for the article that has Chet Chat 230 in it, and the link you need to go and vote for Roland will be in there. That's uh, that's perfect, Duck. And in addition to that, uh, James Lyon is going to be giving a talk at the RSA conference as well. And myself and Dimitri Semiseko, who's the uh, head of our, our th- uh, threat research um, at Sophos, is coming uh, to speak on the uh, geographic p- proclivities of malware authors as well as showing kind of which malware is popular in which parts of the world and different techniques that criminals are using to maximize their profits based on your geolocation. So please, uh, you know, come see our talks if you're going to be at RSA and hopefully we'll have Roland on the list as well. While we're talking about geography, uh, one of the more p- common things you'll notice when we talk about uh, criminals going to jail for some sort of electronic crimes is very often they're in the United States, at at least are prosecuted in the United States. The U.S. has some very strict anti-computer crime laws, 
And in this case, we had some, I guess they were like mobile phone text spammers that were doing some kind of Best Buy gift card scam. But the the head, uh, the lead henchman, if you will, got 27 months in prison. It may sound like a lot for, hey, just sending some unwanted text messages. However, his two sidekicks just got probation. But it was deemed that, you know, he actually ran this as a business operation. He's essentially ripping off somebody else's brand, the typical bait and switch. Oh, get a Best Buy gift card. But in the process, you'll kind of be seduced into handing over information that will either earn some revenue from the clicks or can be sold on later. And the court's argument was that this guy went out of his way to make an entire business out of this, sending the unlawful messages, running servers on so-called bulletproof hosts in China to resist takedown, and operating in a way that he knew was not allowed because not considered acceptable in the US. So I guess they figured that although his sidekicks perhaps got off a little lightly, he'd have to face up to the consequences of running an entirely unlawful business that affected potentially millions of people. Well, and, and uh, it looks like his co-conspirators were, were from Florida. So I, I've got a thing about Florida. It seems like any time, anytime there's some sort of a, a scam or a fraud going on, somehow Florida gets involved. So to not disappoint, of course, Mr. Flights, the guy who, who was uh, sentenced to actual hard time, the 27 months, was from Indianapolis, Indiana. Maybe they just like Florida because, hey, if you're going to do internet work, why not go where the weather's nice? Could be. It could be so they can spend their ill-gotten gains at Disney World. And on that note, I'm going to conclude Sofa Security Chat Chat 230. Uh, As always, for all of our latest news stories, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. We invite you to use Sophos at home. If you've got got some computers at home you'd like to put uh, antivirus and web control on, it's now totally free. And you can share that with your friends, your family, with anyone else. Uh, No strings attached. Just go to home.sophos.com. And all of our podcasts are available on RSS, on iTunes, on the TuneIn app, and very soon in the Google Music Store. And you can always get Sofa's podcasts at soundcloud.com slash sofasecurity. And until next time, stay secure.